Someone will walk away. Two men will walk away with $1 million in the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. Someone's going to walk away with the NWA World Heavyweight title. Will it be this man? Again. that camera on that side one time. Put it up one time. Slick Rick. Woo! And I want the whole world to know I got my Learjet sitting right out there at Peach City Cab. In just about 20 minutes, I'm going to ease down the steps, Ted Turner by my side, get my limousine, ride on 85, get my Learjet, and take off to New Orleans. You got it, New Orleans. If you're watching right now, I'm 42,000 feet easing on in. Because in several hours, woo, I'm going to walk that out. Look at it only the nature boy can look. Oh, so fine. I'm not even going to tell you. It's going to be... Janie on my left and Mary on my right, but I'm not telling any of you which one of my robes I'm wearing till I get there tonight. The bottom line is, big dust, if you got the butterflies, don't feel bad. You gotta wrestle the world champion. And in New Orleans, tonight, the joint's gonna be packed, and I don't do no job in front of 70,000 people. I walk down that aisle, and I take care of it. Who is only Slick Rick there? And then, one more public announcement after I beat up Dusty Rhodes. I'm going to ease across the street to the High Regency and drink all the champagne, anything you want is on the world check. So go keep in mind, it's all a cart, first come, first serve. Big dust, I'm coming, daddy. Woo, get ready, the world champion. Styling and profiling. The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, and Baby Dog coming to town, trying to get that world heavyweight title. You know, I think all the talk is over. Ric Flair was just out here once again. As we said, week in and week out, Ric Flair said that tonight he's going to have Rosie on his left and Mary on his right. And Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, going to be right in the middle. Then he went on record and stated at the Hyde Regency, he say, after it's all over, all the champagne, all the drinks, Every, all the food, everything's on the world's heavyweight champion. He has no right coming on television and flaunting my credit card around because by the time that comes around, I will be the world's heavyweight champion in New Orleans, Louisiana. He has no uh, business at all saying what he said, what kind of robe he's going to wear. I don't care what kind of robe you're going to wear. I don't care what kind of plane you're going to fly in. I don't care how many times you come out here and talk about Space Mountain. Nobody really cares about Space Mountain. This is professional wrestling, Ric Flair. This is, you're not out here on a game show, you understand? You're not out here on a game show. It's time you picked up your tempo just a little bit. Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, I don't do no job in front of 70,000 people either. So where we at now? Where we at now? It's very simple. We've talked for weeks about everybody but Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream, and Ric Flair. 
This is what it's all about. This is where it's at, player. Nothing else goes around this profession than that. So nobody cares about your robes, your cars, your limousines, your credit cards, and your party at the high register. That's the road of the American dream. 70,000 people. We had a standstill here now. Now then, now then, the world's title comes to me that I'll be out here buying people champagne and baby doll new clothes. Place to be Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 39 of NWA Crock and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and we are on our third part of April 1986. We are one episode away from starting our Crockett Cup journey uh, with round one, but we do have to knock out a couple things here on this episode. So I'm pretty happy, number 40, right on with Crockett Cup. So 39 is kind of the bridge between of, you know, our final journey there. So with, before we start, um, up first, I would like to introduce Mr. Colin McDougal. Colin, how are you tonight? Good evening, Sean. I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for asking. How are you? I am well. Just uh, kind of excited as of this recording, um, getting ready to head out to Dallas for uh, some fun and festivities. <laughs> yes, um, I will be safely this side of the pond, away from the, the debauchery that's going to be happening in, in, in Dallas. Um no doubt, I'll, no doubt, I'll, uh, we'll get a running commentary though, and I'll um, pity anybody that has to deal with the two of you this week. Well, you might even get a call in like we did last year, so it's just shiftlets with me. So we might do a call in on the uh, the stream if you are doing that this year. So you might hear from us. Yeah, certainly doing that. Certainly doing that this year. All right. Looking uh, forward so, to yeah. So, Colin, good to have you. And uh, my next co-host is Scott Shiflet. Scott, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Who knows? Uh, after Mania Weekend, this might be the last time you hear me on a podcast. Um, we we just don't know what's going to happen. Callum, just be ready for bail money. Um, I, I I don't know, but I'm happy to talk about um, some April of '86 Crockett tonight. Well, the good news is we record two episodes at one time, so you'll at least minimum be heard at least one more time. Yes. <laughs> so we should, <laughs> we should be a good shape there. As I'm as I'm getting all my, my pounds and pennies together, taking it down to get it exchanged for dollars to see how much I can scrape together to get the two of you out of jail. Hey, I kept uh, I kept one individual who earned a nameless out of jail last year. You should be okay, Chef. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I, I trust you. That's why I came. Yeah, but looking forward to meeting Chef in person. It'll be the first time you've ever met. And uh, obviously, uh, big wrestling week here as it is recording. But tonight, uh, we are going to talk some April 86 Crockett. Um, not to be, I mean, obviously he's missed. Dr. G is not here tonight. Uh, will not be here for the next two episodes, has some real-life stuff come up. Um, honestly, he's just out looking for good hands for the NWA 2022 because uh, Trevor Murdoch just not cutting the mustard anymore. So I wish Dr. G well on that journey. And hopefully we look back to hearing him back here for um, the next two parts of what we do, the two parts. Two, we actually will we do the uh, 
semifinals and finals for the Crockett Cup. So hopefully he'll be back for that. So with that, uh, before we jump in, I would also like to be remiss if I didn't bring up two uh, deaths, one that, uh, that we just found out about today and one that happened a few weeks back as of this recording, uh, Scott Hall and then um, Rocky King, who um, Rocky King we have talked about on this podcast before uh, in his short allegiance with uh, one Jimmy Valiant um, with the Midnight Express feud when they were the street people. Uh, so let's start off with Scott Hall first. Uh, we didn't really talk about Scott Hall too much on this podcast. He actually, um, if you remember, we had Danny Spivey earlier on uh, where he was doing the Starship gimmick. So he was actually in that tag team with Danny Spivey as American Starship. But by the time we ramped up and started doing his pot, uh, Hall had already left and went on to the AWA where he went on to bigger and better things as a tag team champion over there, which um, in full disclosure, we might have a match from him and Kurt Hennig uh, in a few weeks uh, or in a few pot episodes as we uh, start doing a little bit of a new uh, feature on this podcast. But um, column, obviously, uh, Scott Hall, big deal, um, kind of passed our timeline a little bit in what we're talking about. But, you know, Razor Ramon, um, he's the AWA tag team champion. And of course, uh, probably the most famous thing of his time was the NWA, NWO with him and Nash going into WCW. So, um, any thoughts on the passing of Scott Hall? I am, yeah, I am many, yeah, probably about too many to, to 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 take up. Um, we would probably take up the whole podcast if we went through the whole thing because the guy was so Scott Hall was so influential. Um, as you say, you've got he, he had Razor and uh, obviously the NWO, and I think it's I don't think it's going overboard to say that. Scott Hall just made, making one appearance, one ninety second appearance on on Monday Nitro in nineteen ninety six changed wrestling as we know it today. Um, he obviously had the ladder match with Sean, which is still um, sort of ha- has shaped how wrestling is today as well. So if you, not very many people have such an influence as as Scott Hall. Um, the guy just. You, you couldn't not be drawn to, to to Scott Hall when he came on the when when he came on the telly, um, yeah it was it was it was a it was a shock to hear after everything he'd been through as well, from to overcome everything he had to this point and and something as like I, I, going through it, like complications from surgery it does it doesn't seem it doesn't seem almost doesn't seem right. Um, after everything he'd overcome, so it was it was a it was a real shock and and a, a gut punch when when you heard the condition he was in. Yep. So yeah. So definitely. Um. You know, I think you bring up a good point for him to go out the way he did, based on what his history was, and you know, you hear the sad kind of last days of what happened to him. It sounds like he had a relapse, and then uh, just kind of went south from there with the hip, and just yeah, definitely, definitely. Um. Definitely sad. Uh, before I move on to Scott, anything you would like to say about one Rocky King? Yeah, Rocky King was 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 one of the, the first. Um, obviously, he came along when, when we were first in starting the podcast, and and when you put it in our chat today, to, to see that he'd only started wrestling in nineteen eighty five completely took me aback mm-hmm. because we saw him. So when would the the, the street people have would have been summer of nineteen eighty five? Yeah, uh, the whole deal it was summer. Yeah, yeah, it was summer, yeah. and then um, it didn't last very long because then they swapped it out, and that's when they did the whole Garvin Atlanta Lively thing, and it, mm-hmm. it, and that, that kind of started. I think there was an angle where the Midnight Express actually attacked Rocky King, and that's when it all, you know, that's when that all happened. So yeah, 
Yeah. It was one of the, it was one of the Midnight Express's first first appearances, and mm-hmm. and then Valent came out to save him. But to, and, and what we saw of him, it was I was quite shocked to see that he'd only he'd only um, started uh, professionally in 1985 because he was when you, you thought he was you thought he was um, a trademark Doctor G. You thought he was a good hand uh, when I, when when you saw him, but to find out that he was that, that he'd only just started at it. I mean, he'd he. He got into a rhythm really quickly, and it's um, yeah, it was that was a that was a shock to see. He's obviously had had the natural a natural talent for it, and yeah, uh, another another sad loss. Yeah, and he also had a good run too. He was actually a manager of, with the Freebirds. Uh, if you remember, he was at a uh, Starcade nineteen ninety. Um, Little Richard Marley, I guess, was his name. So I don't know if you guys recall that, but also remember the Freebirds. So he had a really good run there with um the NWA and. Probably one of the most, one of the more famous quote unquote jobbers. Not to be disrespectful, because you had the Denny Browns, you had the um, Italian Stallions, you had. Uh, so basically, he was in that group like Mike Jackson. That you know, on occasion they would get a really good run with a main event talent. Nine times out of ten, they ended up losing, but they could put on a really good match. So yeah, so definitely um, sad to hear about him. Uh, Scott, um, I'll, I'll go to you first about. Um, about Scott Hall and then uh, Rocky King. I don't know how much you know about Rocky King because you came on a little late in that, but um, what are your thoughts on both? Uh, Both are sad losses anytime, you know, we have a loss of a life. Um, I'll start with Scott Hall. You know, he's remembered as one of the best because he is. He changed, um, you know, with the the ladder matches with with HBK at WrestleMania 10. And, um, you know, that now then every match, you know, after that, I'm sure, uh, you know, that introduced the ladder match, basically, to the world uh, worldwide wrestling audience. And then uh, with the NWO, um, you know, he started the war, quote-unquote, between, you know, we already had the Monday Night War at the start, but, like, this kick-started. It made it think that, you know, I remember thinking as a little kid, oh, my God, and Razor Ramones and WCW, which is exactly what they wanted. And, you know, he, he was in the Wolfpack, which, you know, that was – my first wrestling shirt was a uh, no. I'm sorry, my second wrestling shirt was a red and black NWO Wolfpack T-shirt. Um, hell of a career. Uh, he had his struggles that were documented many times. I remember this ESPN doc where they did like a short 30 for 30, like short like 15 minute about him, and it's just heartbreaking. It's where I learned that he had actually killed someone when he was bartending, when he was a bouncer. Some guy tried to. Um, they got in a fight and the guy pulled a gun and they fought over the gun and Scott Hall shot him. And he was able like, you know, they didn't press charges because it was, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Sean? What? That he was self-defense. Self-defense. Thank you, Callum. Yeah, it was self-defense. And, um, you know, they alluded to that. I remember that, like, you know, that's what he thought about. And that was like, you know, why he was drinking so much and i remember in the mid 2000s where we had that rash of just like it felt like all the wrestlers from our childhoods was was just dying like every six or seven weeks Mm -hmm. and you always thought it was going to be his name and thankfully you know he was able to you know quote unquote redeem himself um you know he he, was in that great documentary the rebuilding of jake the snake roberts which in my my mind it should have been the rebuilding of jake the snake and scott hall because like the whole movie is just about them two. And, you know, to see Scott turn himself around, he was able to get in the Hall of Fame twice, which we already knew he was a Hall of Fame talent. But, you know, with him saying, you know, 
bad guys don't last, but bad guys do, you know, like that was one of the things I remember uh, seeing a bunch of people when he was like in the hospital and, you know, woke up to that Sunday morning with Kevin Nash saying they're waiting for him, waiting for the family to get there before they take him off life support. And then like, you know, he was off life support for a couple of hours before he passed, but I was just glad he was able to turn his life around. He was already going to always going to have those demons, but you know, at least he got to see his children grow up. And, you know, I'll always remember him as one of the best wrestlers, um, and it kicked off probably the, one of the best eras of wrestling for us that made a lifelong fan out of me. I was already a fan, but, you know, I'm still kicking here 30-some years later. Awesome. Yes. Um, and what about – any thoughts on Rocky King? Yeah, uh, Rocky King, the only time I knew him was um, when he was with the Freebirds and actually with the dudes with Attitude and um, mm-hmm. that, li- that little group, uh, that Sting, like JYD, the Steiners, uh, and uh, Paul Orndor. That's the only time I really knew him. Um, but it sounds like he had a hell of a career from the article that you shared with us, Sean, where he was actually homeless, carrying the wrestlers' bags in, and they taught him to wrestle. That's that's a hell of a story right there. And, you know, he might not have had, like, the fame and fortune, but, damn, like, if you're able to pull yourself out by the bootstraps, it's just, that's just amazing. And, yeah. you know, thoughts go out to loved ones of both Scott Hall and Rocky King. Yeah, so a big loss was two big losses actually. Scott Hall, you know, I don't, I, mean, I don't know what else I can add that you guys haven't already said. Um, uh, iconic, probably one of the most iconic wrestlers ever to win an official world heavyweight title. Um, you'll hear him all always on this list. Rough life, but definitely gave us hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of entertainment that we can all remember, um, even through the Impact Pod that I do. Um, we got a lot of great moments with him, made us laugh. Um, Rocky King, um, yeah, we didn't get to experience a whole lot of him, uh, but at least we did get a little snippet. He got his time in the sun uh, with that angle with the Freebirds as their manager or valet or whatever you call it, and of course uh, the Midnight Express feud with the Valiant with Valiant. So, um, so rest in peace to both those gentlemen. It seems like the longer we do this pod, we always bring up um, a lot of Crockett guys have passed away since we started this pod, and now Scott Hall. So um, rest in peace to both of them. So. Um, on a so let's uh, switch gears a little bit, um, kind of get out of, off the somber note, and let's start talking about uh, April of 1986, our third part of April. And honestly, we haven't gotten that far, guys, because a lot happens in a short amount of time. So um, to start, we will kick off with our title rundown. So world champion is still Ric Flair, the U.S. champion is still Magnum T.A., the TV champion is Arn Anderson, the national champion is Tony Blanchard, Mid Atlantic champion is Black Bart. The tag team champions are Midnight Express. The six mans are the Russians and Bayer Von Raschke. Uh, the junior heavyweight champion is one Denny Brown. Um, so we are going to start. Last episode, we talked about April 12th. Well, uh, we still have one part of April 12th to close out, and it is a house show um, from Charlotte, North Carolina, I believe. So um, unfortunately for one Mr. McDougal, I'm curious how this will go tonight because we have a lot of Wahoo tonight. So it <laughs> should be a little – probably the you most Wahoo. Be. Yeah, probably the most uh, – Wahoo we've had on any episode of this pod, so it should be a little bit of fun, so we'll see. So our first match um, in this house show is Tully Blanchard and Ric Flair versus Dusty and Wahoo in a strap match. Um, so to start, the heels open up hot on the faces, beating them and choking them with the straps. Uh, Tully whips Wahoo and Dusty, but then faces fire back with chops and punches. Wahoo at one point whips Tully in the face, which looked pretty savage. Um, and at this point, even though it's kind of blurry, you can see Dusty is bleeding. Um, there's a nice looking spot where Terry uses a strap to uh, yank Wahoo into the ring post. Uh, Wahoo yanks Tully down from the outside with the strap as he goes after Dusty and throws him into the ring post. Uh, Flair is now bleeding from the Dusty shots. 
Wahoo pulls Tully off the top rope uh, by the strap. Uh, Dusty gets a figure four on Flair. Wahoo keeps pulling Tully into shots by the strap, which I thought was a really cool visual. He just cuts pulling him in and chopping the shit out of him. Uh, Tully goes up top to break the figure four, but Wahoo yanks Tully down into the chop for three. Uh, Flair is very angry in the ring. Uh, faces come back in and beat the heels up, including Dusty throwing JJ into a Wahoo chop. Uh, regardless of how you feel about Wahoo, I thought this is a really great brawl. I wish it had a little bit of a clearer picture. Um, and the crowd was super hot, and I also loved the strap shots. So um, thought it was some uh, looked pretty stiff. So I actually went three and a quarter on this. Uh, this is my kind of match. And um, Scott, I will go to you first. What did you think of this match? Yeah, Sean, I, I really enjoyed this match too. I like how the bull rope was more used as a weapon mm-hmm. this time. I mean, I know they were still tied together, but like we had like them just beating each other with it. Um, also, like how Jimmy Garvin hit Wahoo in the back once the like before the match started. That's a nice little continuation oh, yeah, of I, their yeah, feud. Yep, yep, uh huh. Um, and like you know, I will. And Tully was just amazing. He was bumping like no other for for Wahoo in this. Um, and I liked how Tully uh like threw Wahoo into the post via the uh the rope. I thought that was really nice. He like pulled him into it, and it's a basic thing. Like we see it with all the time in these matches, but I just love that spot. And I like how um Tully was about to save Flair, and Wahoo just pulled on the strap, and like Tully just flies off. And I, I just loved it. Um, I went, I was a little bit lower than you. I went two and three quarters. Um, also liked at the very end when Dusty, you know, hits the bionic elbows on Flair. So we're definitely setting the stage for what's going to happen shortly. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny. I think I go a little bit higher on these house shows, especially when they put in an effort. Like I could totally see why you put two, three and a quarter. But for me, I think about the amount of house shows I've been to and the quality of match you get. Um, uh, the, this one and a lot of the other ones we've seen on this pod are, you know, just above what a typical house show is for us, I think. So that's why I think I might go a little higher on the house shows. But I totally respect the two and a three quarter on that one for sure. Um, all right, Colm, how about you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, it was a well, well start to the match. Um, and um, I quite liked it. There was a sneak attack at the start. I was supposed to near the end, which would, which, um, Sort of, we don't normally play a, a part in the finish. Um, the camera work was quite off-putting. It was, it was all over the place. It wasn't as good. Um, I've got a note here that says the camera work's not as good as uh, Roanoke Fair Flan. Fair Flair Fan. Oh, Jesus. Um, not as good as Roanoke Flair Fan. That's quite difficult to say. It is. Um, but that this match was right up my alley. They were just, they were just pummeling each other. Um, left, right, and centre. Um, point that um, was it. Dusty put the figure four on Flair. That mm-hmm. was. Um, it seemed a bit out of place at in amongst all this chaos that was happening, and especially next because you've got Wahoo and Tully just absolutely laying into each other on one side of the ring, and then Dusty tries to put a figure four on Flair. Um, I, I thought it was a good match. I could have done without Wahoo pinning Tully, mm-hmm. um, because. Wahoo, that Tully's not Wahoo's priority at this point. Um, you, you might not want to have Dusty pinning Tully just now, but Tully getting the win over Wahoo or Flair getting the win over Wahoo, Wahoo doesn't need the win over Tully Blanchard at this point in time, considering his big programmes with uh, Ron Garvin, uh, Jimmy Garvin. Yep. Well, wait, um, wait, I, wait, wait, wait until September, Callum. There'll, there'll be a hot program with Wahoo, so you got a bunch of months left on Wahoo. 
till September can't, with Dolly. So. Can't wait. Can't wait till that point in summer twenty twenty four when we get there. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I actually, I went two point seven five on this one as well. Um, I think again it plays into to Wahoo's strengths in nineteen eighty six where he's better in a fight as opposed to a, a straight up wrestling match. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. All right, makes a lot of sense. So I respect your uh, two and three quarters. Um, I again my three and a quarter. By the way, I will. You gotta say that they have really built done a nice job for uh, being an undercard feud. They've done a really good job building Wahoo and Garvin, um, which we're gonna see more of that later on tonight in another match. Which it's just really good, just really good mid card build, which is great. Um, yeah, I not a, not a bad match to open up with at all, and for a house show, I would have been pretty entertained. All right, our second match is Ron Garvin versus Arn Anderson, who we have seen. Uh, face off on uh, TBS now two times for the TV title. Well, this is also for the TV title. So uh, Garvin is selling his injured hand and it's taped up. So I like the symmetry for the feud uh, here at a house show. Lots of stalling by Arn as he tries to avoid the hands of stone um, as he bails outside often. Uh, you can also he- clearly hear the guy filming this um, is maybe of the country variety and yells, get him Garvin quite a bit. Uh, we skip to the 10 minute mark and Garvin misses a knee and Arn goes to town on it. Um, I think Arn gets some really nice knees into the thigh area. Garvin fights back with chops and punches and a sleeper, stomps to the head and um, Arn's hand. Arn attacks Garvin's injured hand, but Garvin escapes. And then Garvin goes for a body slam, but sells the injured hand. Then he can't hold Arn up, and Arn falls on top for a close pin. Arn back on the hand. Um, I'll, you know, I always love when an Anderson goes after a body part, just simplistic wrestling, uh, you know, just really great stuff. Arn just looks savage as he goes after it. There's one minute left. Arn continues on the hand. 15 seconds, Garvin reverses a whip and he hands a stone to Arn uh, with his injured hand and Arn collapses. I'm sorry, Garvin collapses and we have a draw. Uh, I thought this was a really great stiff, you know, limb work showcase a little bit. I mean, I could see why some people wouldn't like it just because there's a lot, a lot of limb work. Uh, But it also continues the Garvin hand angle. I actually went three stars. I actually enjoyed this one quite a bit, even though it was cut. Uh, But I thought it was really good. Colin, what did you think of this? Um... I th- th- this was this was a match that I didn't have um I didn't have many notes for um I just sat back and and watched um these two have a a really really good um hard hit match it was a fun watch um I've got a note about the uh, I've got a note about the the, the the man in the crowd as well um I didn't quite catch the the get him the get him Garvin but but I did hear him at one point going Arn you're a swine hey Arn you're <laughs> Hey, Arn, your mum's a whore. I'm like, that escalated a lot quicker than I thought it was going to go. Um, but but interesting crowd interactions aside, um, this was this was this was a, a, a really good a really good match. Lived up to the uh, lived up to the expectations. Um, that uh, I thought, and I try not to go in because a lot of times we've been let down by going in thinking a match is going to be great. And it, and it really lets us down. I'm thinking back to the Midnight Express and Fantastics match from um, World Class, where I think we were all quite disappointed. And but this one lived up to this one lived up to all the expectations. I've gone three stars on this one as well, Sean. I thought it was really. Um, I was in between two point seven five and three for a lot of the time, but um, right at the very end, I thought it was it was slightly better than than the first match we watched. So it has it has to be three. But um, excellent stuff again for these two. Yeah, three for three on Garvin Anderson matches we've watched so far, at least for me and Colin. Scott, what'd you think of this? 
Yeah, it's a clean sweep. Uh, I gave it three stars as well. Um, I, I really liked how there was a bunch of limb work in this match. Surprisingly, um, wow, and you're not real real limb work. You're not a real limb work kind of guy. I, I know, but I was really liking how Arn was working the leg, and then he was working the arm. You know, just like a total Anderson trope, like, like you know we always hear about as well. And I also heard someone say something. I heard a lady scream, an old lady scream out, "Break." His goddamn neck. <laughs> good old Charlotte. Good old yeah. Good old North Carolina. I, I had that. I had that one as well. Yes. So nice. like yeah. I was like, wow. Okay, that's like the old ladies that you would hear about, like like on podcasts or shoot interviews, like screaming stuff like that. But um, no, I thought Garvin. You know. I know Sean, you're the big Garvin fan, but after seeing him with Flair and Arn, like he's he's had some pretty good matches that I've been entertained by, and he's he's very believable. Don't put a microphone in his hand; just let him fight. I think he would do great if he had a manager. Like he would be even better. Like I know he ends up winning the world title down the line, but I just go back to when he's on his you know Canadian tuxedo and he's spouting about something being a trucker. But it, it was it was like when in between the ropes, he's great. Yeah, I don't think we've I, honestly. I don't think we've watched one bad Garvin match on this podcast, and it is a shame because um, he can't talk, and because he can't talk, that's really his downfall. But we have a long, long, long list of matches and Garvin to talk about uh, in the probably next thirty years. We do this pod based on how it's outlay. But yeah, so definitely another great match. Three stars. Uh, Garvin and Anderson can't do any wrong for any of us. So look forward. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll see more. I know. I know we'll get more of them at minimal when uh, we get to 1987, but I'm sure we'll have some stuff in between as well. All right. So our third match from this house show and our final match from this house show. Um, I'll tell you what, man. One thing I've definitely uncovered here or we've uncovered is there are a lot of Magnetier versus Nikita house show matches. And here we have yet another one for the United States title. Uh, and again, the thing that keeps blowing my mind is we're in April and their big, big angle doesn't really come until the summer, which it's just amazing how long this is this is built up to. So uh, anyway, so they collide mid-ring on shoulder blocks until TA takes Nikita down with a stiff forearm. Then we cut the TA working Nikita's arm, so this one is cut. So I assume that, uh, like the other matches we've seen, they kind of cut out maybe the boring stuff. They roll outside, and TA throws Nikita's shoulder into the post. There's an axe handle to the arm off the top rope. TA goes for the pin, but Nikita kicks out with a force and head to TA in the gut, sending him reeling. Nikita attacks him outside. Nikita with a bear hug and a headlock. Nikita goes for a cobra clutch, and T.A. slips down and kicks Nikita off. There's more bear hug that T.A. powers out of with a hip toss with force, which I thought looked really good. Nikita charges T.A. and T.A. moves. Nikita collides with the turnbuckle, and then Nikita charges again, and T.A. moves, and Nikita stumbles out of the ring. Uh, T.A. gets a nice little running stiff kick to the back of Nikita's uh, head off the ring apron, and because of a little ball of fire, and hits a belly-to-belly with Nikita's leg knocking the shit out of the... Tommy Young, of all people, and sending him outside with force. T.A. covers. There's no ref. T.A. goes after uh, Tommy Young, and Nikita clobbers T.A. with a chain. Young comes in, and we get a three count. And if I'm at this house show, I'm like, holy shit, I've seen a moment. But then a second ref comes in, and the decision is reversed. Nikita attacks T.A. and sends refs into each other. T.A. fires back. Nikita in the ring post. And T.A. says something on the mic that I can't really hear. Maybe you guys did, and Nikita walks away. Not bad, and I do like that on these house show matches, they're changing them up. Uh, we've seen steel cage matches, now we've seen this, and they're always doing something different. This one I kind of like because 
I know we shit on Tommy Young a lot in these false finishes, but again, if I'm at a house show and I'm just now seeing TA versus Nikita for the first time, I feel like I got a title change and then he swerved me. Eh, you know what? I probably don't care in 1986, unlike I do in 2022. So I had a hard time with this one. I ended up going two and a half because I ultimately did like it. Um, but yeah, nothing great. Just kind of maybe a standard house show two and a half for me. So Scott, what'd you think? Oh, um, I thought, sorry, Callum, don't, don't hate me. I thought this was another in there. Oh my God. Here we go. Long again. line of uh, boring matches that just gets hot at the very end, but I have to sit through like 10 minutes of bullshit before I get there. Um, I did like how they added the extra wrinkle of Ivan being in the shark cage. Um, but it's, you know, after being so like hyped up when Nikita and Magnum as a kid seeing this, it's like, wow, these guys really only had like five moves of doom and one of them's a bear hug. Um, you didn't like the belly to belly spot. I thought that. No, was- I, I did. I did like that, but you know, leading up to it, like I have to get there and see that. I, I'm not a big fan of, but um, I did like Nikita hitting Magnum with the rope hat, and I really thought we did have a title change. And then Tommy Young, of course, reverses the decision because he's the worst ref on the planet. So I went a star and three quarters on this. Okay, star and three quarters. All right, Colum, do you agree or disagree? Um, I, I agree with you, Sean. Um. They, they matches. Yes, there's been some variety, and they try and they try and change them. I think they're um, trying to figure out what works as they build to the like crescendo of where they're going, and I think they're trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, because if you're knowing where they go, they need to they need to work out some kinks, but they also need to work out some ways of getting a bit of variety into the into their matches, and I. A lot of the time, they're, they're, they're a bit, they're, they're much of a muchness, um, and a lot of the, and a lot of the times, but I can appreciate what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't bad. I, you're never going to get at this point in time. I don't think we're going to get, get we're going to start getting five star classics because they are sort of trying trying to work it out. Um, but I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think it was. I didn't, I didn't find it. I didn't find it um, boring because there, there is other. Like, I, I've been I've been bored to tears watching some matches before. I've been bored to tears watching some matches for this. Um, but I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it boring. It was like it was. A, it's, I'm finding it difficult to rate. So I think I'm having to go sort of middle of the road. I don't think it's good enough to hit the two and a half. But I I, I think it's probably. I could probably, I think two and two and a quarter might be fair for it. Yeah, um, and again, I always yeah. tend to go higher on these house show matches, knowing that they're 1986 house show matches, and we don't get house show matches like we see. So I always tend to go higher on these for some reason, and I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> but, I, I, but also, I think you're right. You, you, you've seen there is, and and they've not, it's, this take the, the dusty finish hasn't become played out for us yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you you do have the added. It was like it was like the um the the, the Buddy Landell one that that we watched, um from whenever in nineteen eighty five. Mm-hmm. I, I rated it higher because you got the visual of of Buddy winning the Buddy winning the title. Um, I think having a moment like that can can sort of maybe that swayed me as well. I think you, you, that can compensate for for a match not being not being that good, or not being as good as it could be. Should I say? Yep. 
Yeah. So, but I also, what I do like is, you know, I think this is what our fifth or sixth match we've watched with these two at a house show. I do like to see the evolution of trying to figure out where they're going. And I almost feel like these house shows are test runs for them of where the summer program is going to go. So not knowing that that's what they did when we're young kids for me now, or for you guys who weren't even born, obviously, but um, it's kind of cool to see that evolution. And I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope when we get to summer, we actually get the bangers we're craving between these two, but all right, cool. So that'll take us out of the house show. And now we go, we're going to go straight into April 19th. And we got a lot of matches that we're going to talk about tonight. I think most of these are matches and we only actually have two promos uh, to talk about on tonight's show. But the but, promos are bangers. Well, we'll we'll get to that because uh, we kind of crapped on uh, what Mr. Ric Flair on the last episode. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that one. But we're going to go to Mid-Atlantic. <clears throat> this is from April 19th, 1986. And it is Ron, I'm sorry, Jimmy Garvin <clears throat> taking on uh, a good hand, Sam Houston. Um, Garvin comes out in his very shiny blue sequin outfit with Precious. And uh, the first note I made is nothing screams, uh, Crockett wrestling like a man in sequins and long curly hair, because that's not very typical of your Crockett. Uh, Houston, as always, on fire to start with cartwheels and drop kicks, which I was kind of laughing a little bit. Uh, you have Oh, miraculously, again, here's Wahoo McDaniel. He's on commentary. I thought, like I said earlier, they've done a really nice job building this feud. Houston misses an elbow and Garvin goes to town on him. Uh, but Houston keeps fighting back. Uh, Houston's always a really good face in peril. Uh, Garvin drops Sam throat first on the top rope. Then there's a body slam. Crowd, as always, is absolutely batshit insane for Houston comebacks, which, again, is still an anomaly to me. But Garvin heads him off at every pass as he tries to fight back. Sam gets a roll-up, but Precious pulls him off. Sam goes after Precious, and then Garvin gets a savage knee to Sam's back. He throws Sam's over the top, Sam over the top rope and is DQ'd. Uh, Garvin, uh, Garvin uh, beats Sam up outside. Uh, then he drags Sam inside. Wahoo comes in, and Precious <laughs> sprays hairspray in his eyes. Uh, and then there's an impressive brain, but like it's a very impressive brain, brain buster because Wahoo's a really big guy. Uh, it's a really cool angle where Garvin gets a brain buster. I really like Garvin's brain busters. I think they look really, really great. Uh, Garvin walks out as Houston attends to Wahoo. Um, I thought this was another really fun match with a great, simple after angle. And again, I tend to rate these kind of weekend TV shows a little higher than maybe I should just because, you know, we didn't get we didn't really get stuff like this in WWF. I went two and a half, um, not only for the match but also the post angle and also for the freaking uh, brain buster on Wahoo. Like Garvin got that big dude up and dropped him on his head. And I loved every minute of it. So uh, Colin, I'll go to you first. I am. I, I, I completely agree with you about, about the crowd. I am. They're absolutely. I, 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 I say almost every time we do a mid Atlantic, a match from, from the Mid-Atlantic TV, but the crowd is absolutely insane again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, they absolutely love um, Sam Houston. He has them eating out the palm of his hand because no matter what he does, they will they will cheer for him. Um, at one point, I, I do have a note saying that thank God for the crowd because they are drowning out Wahoo's commentary. Um, they're, they're that loud. <laughs> Well, that was that was an unfortunate circumstance they had to do to get this angle over, unfortunately. But yeah. <laughs> oh no, that that that's you know that that's fine. They do what they need to do. Um, I would have I would always have um, Garvin doing the, the 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 majority of the talking, as as we've seen from um, some of the promos in the last uh, that we've dealt with for the last couple of episodes. Um, the, the match itself, I've gone two on it. I, I felt it was. I mean, it wasn't a bad match. I, I, 
far from it. Um, we had two guys who are more than competent in the ring, but it was just, um, it was it was just a vehicle to get a confrontation between Wahoo and Garvin, and almost a vehicle to get Wahoo a, a, this massive cheer because he was saving Sam, who the crowd absolutely adore. Um, I don't know if the if the pop was more for the fact that their that their that their man was um, that their man was being saved as opposed to it being Wahoo that's, that's doing the save. Um, that being said, the post match was excellent. Um, yeah, it's probably a, a two star match with a four star post match. Um, with the um, with the the, the blinding angle, I thought it was or, sorry, the, the partially blinding angle with the, with the spray in the eyes. I thought that was I thought the the, the match was an after, almost an afterthought to get to the post match, but when you got to the post match, it was excellent. Right, what did you think of the brainbuster? Oh, it was it was wonderful, <laughs> absolutely wonderful, particularly because who it was on. But yeah, it was. It was <laughs> that, 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 that's what I was waiting for. Okay, very good. Uh, Scott, what did you think? Yeah, I just can't get over how over Sam Houston is with the crowd. And for them, like, yeah, I know he's, like, he'd been positioned in the past as, like, you know, the little brother to Dusty and Magnum. We haven't really seen that in quite a bit. So that was very nice to see. Um, Just, But he's, like, always over. Like, the crowd just loves him. And he looks like a damn green bean out there. Um, I I went to – what did you say? Damn green bean. Yeah, I've been a string bean. I'm sorry. Oh, it's good. I like it. Um, I went I went two stars as well, but like it, the post match is awesome. Like Wahoo getting his ass beat. What's not to love? Yeah, and again, I kind of put the angle into this as well. So again, that I'm makes scoring, total sense. Yeah, so I'm scoring a lot higher than you guys are tonight. So we'll see if that continues or not. Um, so from there, so again, the angle the angle with Garvin and Wahoo continues to just play itself out, which is really really well done. So now we're going to go over to Worldwide Wrestling, also up for 1986. Uh, we have a six-man tag team match, and some might say this is kind of a, a jobber match, which technically it is, but what I do like is um, it is Manny Fernandez, who we get two matches of tonight because we haven't seen Bull in a while. Another Wahoo appearance on the same weekend, which I'm sure, Colm, if uh, you were watching for 1986, you would have been a very happy man. And then the debuting Hector Guerrero, who we have seen in our Crockett spotlight, but this is him officially... He is officially in Crockett Wrestling, has left the UWF, and he is in Jim Crockett Promotions. And these six are taking on Leo Burke, Black Bart, and uh, good old Thunderfoot. So, um, again, this is Guerrero's debut in Crockett. Uh, but this match for me, guys, this is a straight up the bull show. I mean, there's some good face in and out tags. Um, I'll get their moment in the sun. But for me, I feel like the majority of this match is bull. Uh, Guerrero gets a, a good monkey flip, and Wahoo chops the shit out of Bart. Um, it's also good to see that our mid-Atlantic Atlanta champions are still treated like jobbers, just like Sam Houston was. Uh, faces all take turns on Thunderfoot. Bull gets a flying burrito that ends with all six men in the ring. The crowd absolutely goes <laughs> ape shit. Guerrero throws Thunderfoot into the ropes, um, and it really looks good, like a visual, like it's a T. Guerrero throws Thunderfoot in the ropes. Bull connects with a flying burrito just out of nowhere for three. I thought this was a really fun six-man. Um, I absolutely love uh, Manny Fernandez. We don't get enough of him. Um and we haven't seen him much in three months. And glad we at least get two matches in the night. I went a solid two on this for a weekend syndicated show match. And not being really technically a main event, even though you have your mid-Atlantic champion on the other side of the fence. I thought it was a solid two stars. Even for a prelim match, I thought it was a nice showcase. So, Scott, I'll go to you first. 
I wouldn't star in three quarters. Um, I I had stupidly thought that we had already seen Hector before because we had watched him we, before. We, we, we did in the Crockett spotlight. Yep. Yeah, I just didn't realize that wasn't like that was UWF. Like, you know, I was just wasn't thinking because I really like that tag team match. I want to see more of him. Um, you're, you're not wrong. Like, I'm, I have the match on right now as, as we've been talking. And uh, Raging Bull comes out like a house of fire taking on Black Bart. He, like you said, like he has a nice he has a nice little like monkey flip as well to Black Bart, like sends him to the ropes. Mm-hmm. And it it's just such a fun match, like. But I, I don't know. I I wa- it's too. I'm on Wahoo Overload already, so I think like he was barely in the match. Is, but, what are three quarters is fair. I don't dispute yeah. that. Yeah. But it's just like the man isn't a six man and can barely do anything because he's just out. Like talk about a man past his prime, like and like he just got tagged in and it's like all he can do to walk over to um. To Thunderfoot. <laughs> chop, 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 chop. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. Yep. yep. All right, uh, Colum, how about you? I just want to see 1.75 for a match where Wahoo can't do anything. He's struggling because he's past his prime, quote Scott Schiffler, and he struggles to walk the length of himself as fair. I go 1.75 on a two out of three falls match where he's breathing out of his arsehole after 30 <laughs> seconds. That match was way better than he then, has to proce- oh. he then has to proceed to go another 45 minutes with poor Ric Flair, whose back is already breaking because of a plane crash. His back was broken having to carry that big <laughs> fucker around for 45 minutes. And that's unfair. I just wanted people to know who are listening... The rank hypocrisy that comes from the higher-ups at the NWA Croc and Roll podcast. <laughs> okay, what did you think about the match? <laughs> that was good. I quite, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, my first note is finally getting to see some Manny, which is always good. Um, it seems like it's been ages since we've seen him. Um, and because uh, since the turn of the year, I, we've, we've, I we haven't seen much. We haven't seen much of him since Starcade. That yeah. is correct. Yep. Um, uh, I, I, my overall, um, my overall comment on it, it was, it was a, a really, really fun match to watch. Um, I would like to have seen a little more Hector and a little less Wahoo, um, mm-hmm. but it is a, it is a match that you're going to try and showcase your, your three, um, your three baby faces. It was a ragtag bunch of heels on the other side of the ring. Um, again, a, a strange booking on, on from from a Wahoo perspective. Um, he's in a match with with, with five guys who. Like as good as like as much as I'd want to see um, Guerrero and and um, Manny, as much as I'm happy to see them, he's good. He's he's um he's on on his own island. There's five guys who are thrown together at random with no other stories going on other than they get in the ring every week and and, and they try and put on good matches. And Wahoo's got his thing going with with Garvin. They just seem to stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't even get the pin. Um, I thought if if you're going to try it, if Wahoo's the only one in a feud, he would at least be the guy who who wins the match for his team. Um, so yeah, strange. Obviously, they're just it might just be that they wanted to to put Wahoo out to be on the winning side and keep his name out there. But if it was me, I would have had him get. I would have had him take the um get get the pin myself. But that's why I'm sitting here and and Jim Crockett Jr. and his team Dusty. Um, Made millions and millions of dollars a year. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I will. Um, 
I, I went two and a quarter on it actually. I, I, I thought it was wow. I thought it was a, a really fun match. Um, and even with even with Wahoo in it, he didn't as much to say a little less Wahoo would have done me. Um, he didn't drag it down like he has been known to drag down other matches. Yeah. The ball, the ball, ball definitely. Hey, you had two Wahoo matches over two stars tonight. That might be a first two in a row. I, I, I told you guys, I told you guys in the chat, this has all happened since I had COVID. <laughs> I actually think it's because we have others covering what Wahoo can't do. And from, again, Bull, I mean, Bull was just freaking nuts in this match. He's he's really great. So really good stuff from Bull. Every, everyone's saying everyone's saying the Pfizer was to uh, so Bill Gates could keep a track of you. I think it was so Bill Gates could make me say things about Wahoo that I would never have said before I had the vaccine. You still say the same things about Wahoo. You're just covering up because of who's around them. So I know you still truly don't like Wahoo, and you're doing a nice job of selling that. So you're I'll, I'll, I'll never, ever watch that flare match again. <sighs> All right. Well, don't worry. we got plenty of Wahoo to come in the coming, <laughs> uh, coming months for you to watch. All right. So with that, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to go to 419 Saturday night. Uh, and two promos, uh, the only promos we have tonight, uh, with Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes, kind of the last-minute sell going into the Crockett Cup, which we'll talk about on our next episode. Um, and if you remember from our last episode, um, one Colin McDougal was kind of over what I call Flair and his shit, with him just basically calling out how many women he wants to bang and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so the first time anyone's really called out Flair on his bullshit, um, which we talked we talked about it for a year, over a year about Flair, and it's the first time anyone's really said, you know what? I'm just kind of fed up. Get to the point. So I'll be curious to see how you feel about this one tonight because I'm just going to be full disclosure. I love both these promos tonight for a specific reason. So Flair comes out. Um, obviously, this has been taped as the afternoon of the cup is already over at this point uh, based on one of theirs. And Tony and Dave says someone tonight will walk out with the world title. Uh, girls love Flair um, as we actually see one giving him the FBI's as they cut to the camera, which is great. He says he's got his jet outside and in 20 minutes, he and Turner are getting in the jet and taking off to New Orleans. Says, if you're watching now in New Orleans, but then he turns around and says, if you're watching now in New Orleans, I'm 42,000 feet coming in now. Coming in looking fine with women on left and women on the right. He says, Dusty, you got butterflies. Don't feel bad. The joint's going to be packed tonight, and I do not do jobs in front of 70,000 people. The original uh, Shawn Michaels comment there, uh, which I absolutely love. He takes, he, he goes, um, I will take care of it as I can. After I beat up Dusty and the Hyatt Regency, anything you want on the world champion, I'm coming, styling and profiling. So then we cut over to Dusty later on in the night. Dusty's out. Um, Tony says, New Orleans on fire for one reason. Is Dusty and Baby Doll going for the world title? Dusty talks about the Hyatt Regency and Flair saying everything on the world champion, but not to flaunt his credit card as Dusty will win. Flair don't care about any of uh, Dusty don't care about any of Flair's bullshit. This is not a game show. Uh, he don't do no jobs in front of seventy thousand people either. So where do we stand now, Flair? Is what he says. Uh, Dusty just rambles, rambles more about Flair's bullshit and how about it isn't a game show. Seventy thousand people stand still now. World title comes to me and I'll be buying champagne and baby doll new clothes. Uh, Dusty legit seemed really pissed off here. I've we've seen him in the past where. Flair's done promos, and then Dusty came out later, seemed really pissed off. And Baby Doll just kind of stands there and looks like she's freaking sniffing the good stuff or whatever because she's just high as a kite. So, uh, Scott, I will go to you first. What did you think of these two promos? I, I love these promos. Um, we're we're uh, shoot, shooting from the hip. 
uh, with both yeah, of these guys of, saying yeah, a little bit of a shoot and miss, I think. Yeah, that uh, they're not gonna job in front of seventy thousand people. Spoiler alert: there wasn't seventy thousand people, so you guys don't have to worry about that. Um, hell of a promo. I love Flair basically making sure he um, has sex tonight, which you know wasn't probably gonna be a problem anyway. With saying what ho- name dropping the hotel so they can all party together, and like you said, Dusty seems as pissed off as he was when he was cussing out the fans. That one mm-hmm. time. Um, but, uh, you know, I love how he said the world title's coming to him. He's like, you don't have to worry about paying for it. I just loved it. And, like, you know, the adding of the realness, because this felt very real, because it, it probably was at this time of uh, both of these guys, you know, not being, having animosity towards each other, both saying, yeah, we're not going to job in front of 70,000 people. It's like, I really want to see this match and see how it goes. And I'm, I'm sure it's in the future watch, but it was just like, Damn, like it. I just loved it. Flair's like, if you're if you're watching now in New Orleans, I'm forty thousand feet in the air, coming for you. It's like, God, well, I like how so, he kept so, summoning. So cool. And another Crockett trope. I love how uh, the inside rib. I'm coming. They do this a lot, where he says, "Hey, I'm coming. I'm coming in style. I'm coming with women." It's it's just it's total Crockett trope that they do this. I think it's a rib. It's a rib for sure. But yeah, so I definitely enjoyed it too. Colum, how about you? Mr. Critical on the last episode of Ric Flair, so I'm curious. I Some may say Mr. Critical, other may say Mr. Influential, because I got the three of you to come round to my way of thinking by then. Mm-hmm. It made um, us think, made us ponder. I, I, this may, we might have, in these two pros, we might have seen the beginning of the deterioration of the Ric Flair and Dusty Rose relationship. Mm. Because you, you, you guys are right, you, you, Dusty was visible, yeah, he was visibly annoyed. You could tell that he was annoyed, and I don't think he took kindly to it. I'm not sure that Flair was meant to say that he doesn't do jobs in front of 70,000 people. Oh, I'm sure he didn't. I'm sure that was a shoot. That Yeah, and I think this is, I think this could be the beginning of the end here, boys, because um, Flair clearly, saying something like that when in 1986, there's not going to be a lot of people watching that know, that know, if any, that knows what he's meaning there, apart from Dusty Rhodes and everybody in the back. Um, so yeah, um, I, I think this that this could be this could be a turning point in in the Flair Dusty relationship. Um, Flair's promo was different to the usual. This one was about wrestling with only a little bit of shagging involved. Um, it was a pleasant, pleasant change. Um, and, and my first thought, obviously, when, when both men are saying that they're going to refuse to do the job in front of 70,000 people, my first thought was, oh, surely this calls for a triple threat match. Um, but in, in 1986, it has fuck finish written all over it. But I, I look forward to, to seeing the match that comes before said fuck finish. Um yeah, I thought it was really, really good. Uh, two really, really good promos. Um, but the best part of it all was David rocking a lovely Augusta National Green jacket, um, obviously ce- celebrating Jack Nicholas's big win the week before, just down the road at the Masters. Not yes, I did not. I did not bring up the jacket or David Crockett in this. But yeah, I think also for this, uh, really good final sell for the Crockett Cup. Like if you're I mean, I don't know how many people they're going to get to New Orleans at their 6.05 hour when in New Orleans. Well, I guess New Orleans has the time difference, so it's kind of a last-minute sell to get them there. Uh, the day the day uh, tournament had already happened, but they still had the nighttime. So we will definitely see 
um, that match in a future episode because um, I have every single match with the exception of a few first round matches for us to watch uh, when we get to the Crockett Cup. So we'll talk about that on our next episode. All right. So our next match, um, very match heavy. This is our sixth match of the night. Um, kind of a treat here on this Saturday night show with everybody in New Orleans. We get Aaron Anderson for, versus Manny Bull Fernandez for the TV title. And I brought this up on our last show, guys. This is kind of a big, big deal because literally a year earlier in 1985, um, on our very first episode of this pod, we talked about the Arn Anderson and Ole Anderson angle of them coming together and Ole turning on Thunderbolt Patterson. And Bull was a big part of that in the match. And that's where uh, Ole officially turned heel. So kind of nice to revisit that. It's kind of a nice little, I don't even know if they timed it up or synced it that way. I don't think they did. But this is officially, you know, we're a year into Crockett wrestling, even though we got a long way to go still. But this is great. So Dusty and Baby Doll come back out. Dusty says he knows a lot about the TV title and a lot about Anderson. Baby Doll says she's getting all lined up for New Orleans. And um, if he comes back and she's not there, don't worry. She has his bag, et cetera. And she's heading to the airport. Says New Orleans. Once again, someone else says, New Orleans, here we come. And kisses Dusty on the cheek. And she is out. Um, Arn yells at Dust, uh, Rhodes from the ring. Uh, Crockett uh, has a very enthusiastic intro. Uh, big moment for us in this match, like I said, on this pod. Um, and like we said, we talked about it. So this match is also a 20-minute time limit. Dusty thinks we will get a new champ tonight. Um, I also like that they brought up Bull and Dusty were former tag team champions at one time. And they lost the belts right before we started this podcast in April of 85. Aaron, Aaron complains a lot about Bull using uh, his uh, bullshit karate. Um, Aaron takes several powders uh, throughout the match as Bull dominates them left and right. Uh, Bull gets a nice body press fake out and spot where he actually leaps behind Anderson and clobbers him. Like, I, it's really cool how agile Bull is for a man his size, too. Um, Aaron is very frustrated as Dusty uh, starts breaking down wrestling as football, which is lost on me, of course, because I don't watch football. Uh, Dusty is giving hell to Arn for stalling, and Arn tells him to shut up. Uh, Bull, Bull does some arm and leg work and gets a great leg takedown that Arn sells like a champ. Uh, Dusty continues to yell, break it off and crack it. Uh, Tony says Arn getting the taste of his own medicine, and then there's long limb work on Arn's leg. Dusty said, uh, Willie Nelson will be in New Orleans. Um, so yeah, so I know we're all excited for Willie to be in New Orleans, which I do not believe he is. Um, I love the pop backwards that Bull does while Arn's leg is in it trying with his. I thought it looked legit painful. Uh, Bull gets a figure four at the 10-minute mark. There's a great leg snap-off on the second rope by Bull, then a half crab. Arn takes control, selling his leg. He throws Bull in the air and down to the map on an Irish whip. Down on the mat, I'm sorry, on an Irish whip. There's a body scissors as Arn taps his hand on the time limit coming, which I really like because Arn was trying to get that clock. Arn hurts his, uh, hits his knee to the gut, and Bull then hits a nice jumping clothesline. Bull with a flying clothesline off the second rope, a flying burrito, and the bell rings right at two. Um, and then uh, uh, JJ comes out and distracts Dusty, and then Tully runs in, and he and Arn attack Bull. Uh, Garvin comes out, he punches Arn. Bull takes out Tully, and Dusty takes out JJ, and the faces stand tall. Um, and we have a time limit draw. I really like the limb work, and again, I thought it was an amazing showcase for the Bull. Um, I actually went three stars on it. Really, really solid main event, and it went to time limit, and I wasn't bored one bit. So, Colin, I will go to you first. You have redeemed yourself by making this a bull-heavy show after um, giving me so much wahoo. Even Thank though you. I've not, even though I've not, I've not minded the wahoo, but you cannot beat a bit of Manny Fernandez. And um, 
even going back to the, as you mentioned, the first time that we watched Manny on, on, on episode number one all those months ago, he's, he's, consi- he's consistently been one of the guys that I've, along with Arn Anderson, who, uh, who's, Arn Anderson, sorry, didn't really surprise me. I knew how good Arn was. I didn't appreciate how good Manny Fernandez was. Um, and almost, as you say, the anniversary match, anniversary celebration match um, didn't disappoint. I actually went three, three, uh, three and a quarter on it. Um, I, because I've had it on again, and I've had it on again here in the background, just to, um, to, 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 to just watch over it again, just in case I was getting, I was, because I didn't have a lot of notes for it. Um, By the way, Colin, you convinced me. I'm going to go three and a quarter on it too. Yeah. Yeah, because I've got it on in the background here. I, do, I didn't take a lot of notes on it because it's one of these ones, again, I just get sucked into it. But have it on, having it on sort of in, in, in the background here with no um, with no commentary, no no crowd or anything, just to see. Uh, and it's it's every bit as good as it was the first time I watched it. So I didn't get caught up on it. Um, but yeah, it's just... They, they, these guys are just so consistently good. It's actually unreal sometimes, but... Um, yeah, three three and a quarter and worth every single star. All right, so ball. So here's what I've learned: uh, Aaron Anderson, Ronnie Garvin, and uh, the Bull. Um, so far, batting a thousand, pretty much on anything we've ever watched him in. So that's pretty interesting to me. Scott, what'd you think of this? I love this match. Um, I don't know, like if I was just like in a certain mood, but I was loving the limb work that the. You're, oh, yeah, you're really liking the limb work tonight. That's not you're, you. You're rubbing off on me, Sean. It's horrible. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. Everyone's already said you corrupted me. Um, but I just love Manny working the leg. And, like, Arn, it's usually Arn working a body part. And he's, like, basically in survival mode, like, trying to just get this time limit draw. And, you know, there was a time where um, – like every time Arn gets something, Manny just hits him in the leg, and it's like back to square one, and it's just like a nice little role reversal from what we've seen with Arn usually being the dastardly heel attacking the limb, and now it's happening to him, and you know he's you know on the defensive the whole time, and I just loved it. Uh, I love like Manny putting in the figure four, and you just see him like losing his mind with it, and um, and I loved how when Arn hurt himself when he actually used his knee as like an offensive weapon and you see him just go down immediately after that. I loved it. Um, time limit draw, which is nice. I mean, it, it's better than him just pinning him, but you know, um, it was very good. I, I went three and a quarter as well. I love like Tully running out and then Ronnie Garvin running out. It's just like, I just love how Crockett, I, I feel like I say this every month and it's probably sounding like a broken record, but it's true. It just bleeds all these storylines together and it feels so natural and not, like something with like WWF at the time where Hogan was getting beat down and you're like, you know, no one's coming out to help him because it's Hogan. Yeah. So very, very, yeah. Very different. Like he just gets beat up and nobody tends to help. Right. So yeah, really good stuff here. So really, really great on the night of the Crockett cup. We're on really get a nice TV main event. Again, a great showcase for bull. Um, and Arn uh, does disappoint as always. So go out of your way to check this one out on Saturday night. It's definitely a nice little watch. All right, so gents, we have two more matches to talk about tonight before we close it out, and we are at our Crockett Cup Spotlight, uh, where we are going to focus on members of two different teams. Our first match, 
Mike Miller and Bobby Jaggers, who will be teaming together in the Crockett Cup in the first round, uh, much to uh, Colin's chagrin, they will face uh, Mark Youngblood and Wahoo McDaniel in round one of the Crockett Cup. So we'll talk a little bit about that match. But I could not find a match where they teamed together. However, I did find a match in January 26, 1985, where they actually wrestled each other. And I think it's safe to say um, between the three of us, I'm actually sorry I found this match, but we will jump right into it and talk about the match a little bit. Uh, so apparently this feud has been ongoing for a long time. Again, this is from January 26, 1985 from Portland Wrestling. Uh, Don Owens is out, who is the owner of Portland Wrestling, and he has a new $3,500 Northwest belt he just got from Federal Express uh, to give Jaggers, as apparently Miller had destroyed the last one. Jagger yells at Miller, saying he's going to take $3,500 out of Miller's butt, um, and says the words daddy and brother a lot, which, again, when you have nothing else to say, you say daddy and brother when you're a 1980s wrestler. Uh, this is two out of three falls. Uh, Jagger looks like a poor man, great value, Dusty Rhodes, Buddy Rose hybrid. Uh, and Miller looks like a wrestler who the movie The Wrestler would be based on. So hopefully you guys get both those uh, references. Two out of three falls. So let's jump into fall and we'll talk. I'll go through all three falls and then I will allow you guys to uh, probably say what I'll say is bent. Uh, the announcer is awful and boring. So let's be very clear. This announcing is all sorts of bad. Uh, lots of stalling to get out of the gate. Jaggers um, does get some nice stiff punches on Miller. And then he gets elbows. And again, I swear it's he's just following the Dusty Rhodes program of trying to get over. Uh, Miller, rakes, Miller rakes the eyes and takes control. Uh, lots of head holds and needs and punches on offense. Commentator uh, needs some five o'clock energy because he's pulling me to sleep. Uh, Bobby gets back in control with elbows and another head hold. Um, and then uh, what's also interesting is I noticed this ref uses his opposite hand to cut pinfalls, which was really odd to me. Then we get a damn neck hold that felt like forever, more elbows. Then we get a running clothesline and Jagger pins Miller in fall one. Uh, fall two, more stalling by Miller. He hides in the corner and a ref calls Miller a corner wrestler. Um, what, I'm sorry, the, um, the announcer, uh, which I don't really understand what that means, that he's a corner wrestler. Uh, we get another elbow and head hold and then a sleeper. Uh, Miller finally gets some offense and it's choking, kicking. There's a surfboard to the back, more elbows by Jagger, another chin lock. Commentators babbling about Sergeant Slaughter coming into the territory. Just a real monotone, real monotone douche. Uh, the Miller works Jagger's arm, including biting. Jagger's fights back with his good hand. Uh, Miller kicks Jagger's in the head off the ropes and pins in the wind. Fall number two. So we are tied. Miller, fall three. Miller attacks before the bell in the third fall. Knees and punches. Jagger's fights back with, you guessed it, more elbows. Jagger's misses an elbow and Miller kicks him out of the ring. Miller grabs a new belt and runs into the crowd. Uh, this has been the most excited this commentator has been all night. Jaggers is irate. Uh, Miller is hiding in the corner. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got that to laugh. In the back of the building. Uh, it looks like he's actually taking a piss on the wall. Uh, Bobby runs to the back, but the ref and security stop him. Uh, Miller goes up to the podium, says he doesn't owe nobody nothing. Bobby runs to the podium, and Miller, Miller is gone. And I'm assuming that Jaggers had won the match by count out at the end. I'm not really sure. Uh, so here's the other thing. This match, two out of three falls, was 30 minutes. It was so bad and so boring. And maybe some of the worst commentary you will ever hear um, in your life. Um, I'm only going a quarter star on this. And gentlemen, I think that's actually a gift. And I will go to you first, Scott. That shit sucked. All of it. It was terrible. It was 30 <laughs> minutes wasted. And it was so bad. Like, if I was a kid flipping through the channels and I came across this, 
we wouldn't you would not be talking to me, Sean. You'd be talking to someone else. Thirty fucking minutes. It was bad. It guys, for you guys listening, this was three different YouTube links that Sean sent to us. (laughs) Three different ones. I don't even know why there was three different ones. It could have been done in one, but it was so it was so much stalling. Like not even the good Memphis stalling where they're riling up the crowd. This was just like we don't know what we're gonna do here, brother, dude. Whatever the guy was saying, and like the only thing that was really cool was um, Mike Miller hit Jaggers uh, across the face with like his boot across the face that looked rough. That was the only thing. Everything else was stalling. I, I my notes are literally Miller powders again. So much stalling. This sucks. God, can this end? So bad and boring. Mike Miller stole the belt and gets counted out. This sucks. Dud. In parentheses, I strongly dislike Sean for this. All right, so let's be fair. Sometimes for the craft that is this podcast, you have to take the good with the bad. This was the very bad. It was the very bad. And again, I didn't go a dud. I went a quarter, but I also said that was a gift. I actually, you know what's interesting? I think the angle is great with the belt. And I got hope at the beginning that, okay, this is going to be really good. And then... I totally got deflated as the match went on because I think the angle was pretty good. But in the end, holy shit, you aren't kidding. This is so bad. Um, Just bad, bad, bad. Um, All right, Colin, I assume you feel the same way. (laughs) Um, I had high hopes when the YouTube description described this match as an awesome two out of three falls non-title match. I should start doing clickbait like that on our YouTube videos. Because that was that was the that was that's just that's just lies. <laughs> um, the commentary was boring. It was nonsensical. Um, case in point, eccentric headache number jaggers. Okay, one doesn't make sense. Two, fuck right off. Um, <laughs> Chinlock City bitch. That's my next one. Um, the crowd were deathly silent after about. Five ten minutes of this match, um, the, the 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 two guys have just killed them off completely. The commentator I've got here couldn't even be asked. Um, he sounds like he would rather be anywhere else than describing this match. He well, talked. In, more, in all fairness, would you blame him though? <laughs> no, not at all. He talked more about Sergeant Slaughter and Kendall Nagasaki potentially fighting each other than this than, than the match itself. Um. It didn't need to be half an hour long. Considering that the, the middle 25 minutes you could put on a fucking gif and just watch it over and over again for 25 minutes, you wouldn't miss anything. Um, the match was so bad, it actually offended me. I've got I've got a note going, this match is actually offensive to me. This match was, this is possibly one of the worst matches I have ever seen in my life. Um. It's, I will always excuse a bad match because it, it, it's possible that two guys or two girls will go in there and try. They'll, they'll try their best and they will just maybe not click. They'll not have chemistry or whatnot. That's okay. What is not okay is to produce 30 minutes of the most boring, turgid shite that these two produced. This is the biggest fucking done you will ever get on this podcast. Wow, I thought at minimal you would have gone a quarter on that. Wow. Oh, no, absolutely not. You've you've gone a quarter on it, and you have vastly overrated it, sir. <laughs> All 
All right. Well, I typically do that on this show. But yeah, guys, I mean, I could listen. I, you know what? I'll go a dud too. The match is shit. Nobody should ever watch this match ever in their entire history. And the fact that these two are a team in the Crockett Cup and in the first round taking on Wahoo. Um, yeah, I don't know who booked that shit, but goddamn, goddamn, pal. This is terrible. Just terrible. So, all right. Our next match and our final match of the evening is the Batten Twins. Versus the Midnight Express, and this, this is interesting. This is from uh, 11-21, 1985. Um, it is finals for the Central States Tag Team titles, and this is one I did not catch when we were on our way to Starcade 85. This is right around Starcade 85, and the Midnight Express were in the finals of the Central States Tag Team. T- uh, so um, Central States is an NWA territory. So, But, yeah, I thought this was an interesting find. Uh, the camera work's pretty blurry. Uh, the Battens will be facing uh, Sam Houston and Nel- Nelson Royal, and round one of the Crockett Cup. So we will, again, talk about that on our next episode. So the match is joined in progress. And right from the start, one of the bat... And by the way, they don't ever really call the Batten Twins by their names because I don't think the announcer knows who the fuck is who. Um, right from the start, the Batten Twin whisks a dropkick that Eaton sold flying out of the ring, which looked absolutely ridiculous. Uh, later, Batten... One of the Battens and Condry crisscross ring several times. That ends in absolutely nothing. They do it again and Batten... Goes out of the ring after Cornette, goes back in, and Atomic drops Dennis into Bobby. Um, at this point, I feel like um, I'm starting to see a little bit of a formula with the Midnight Express. Like, uh, we see them against the Fantastics, we see them against the Rock and Roll Express, and I feel like there's always some hybrid version of the Rock and Roll Express or wrestling in the same style. Uh, this is really no different. Uh, at one point, Cornette distracts the ref. Bobby pulls one of the Battens out of the ring and throws them into the post. Uh, Midnight Express with their usual heel tag team work shenanigans. Um, I love uh, that the announcers, like I said earlier, only call each Batten the Batten versus no first name. Eaton misses a move, and one of the Batten tags the other Batten. Uh, he takes on both Expresses. The ref goes down. Cornette in, accidentally hits Eaton instead of Batten with his racket. Uh, the ref up, and a shocking three count here that I can't believe that this is close to Starcade. Uh, a territory team has beaten the Midnight Express. Uh, definitely a hidden kind of match in terms of the time frame again because it's midnight express right in the starcade uh, but i also thought it was a great use of a big team to try and make another team in a territory but again the match very sloppy uh felt very house show i struggled to go one and a half on this it wasn't very good at all colin what did you think i don't think it was too bad wow um, see i don't get it i thought this was sloppy and just you know what i think i'm getting tired of seeing midnight express versus rock and roll express uh kind of shenanigans with multiple teams. I think that's what I'm having an issue with. Well, you have too much... Well, you have when you have the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express, um, it is possible to have too much of a good thing, possibly. Um, because I, I, I see where you're coming from with that, because Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express shenanigans works because of the two teams involved. It doesn't. It's not necessarily transferable to someone like the Batten Twins. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was fine. I mean, uh, like you know, a midnight express match, very rarely is going to be is going to be bad. Even even the the one that we that we mentioned or Ara mentioned earlier on with the Fantastics at at Texas Stadium, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't as good as as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's the only criticism you could have in that match. Um, the, the crowd were in, uh, were insanely good, uh, insanely loud when Crockett um, hits Eaton with a racket. Um, it certainly got them on. It certainly got them on their feet. Um, a bit off-putting with a with a completely dark crowd. Um, 
like it, all you saw was the ring. It was like watching one of those AWA shows where they had the psychedelic background because they couldn't mm-hmm. get enough fans in the in, in the um, in the arenas. But I didn't think it was bad. Um, surprising finish in that you as you say you have the you have a um, a territory team beating beating the soon to be world tag team champions. Um, but at the same time, it was also you could say it was expected because the Midnight Express aren't really going to hang around in central states for for too long, especially when they're when they're um, on Crockett TV every week. So, but it was fine. I, I went one point. I went one point seven five on it. I didn't think it was too bad at all. Okay, um, and I went one and a half, so not too far off. Scott, what did you think? I'm shocked. I did not believe i was going to be the high man for this but i surprisingly, oh my god i don't get it i don't understand <laughs> i surprisingly enjoyed this match um god damn pal. <laughs> pal but it, it felt like a um it felt like a squash and then like the bat and twins get the win which is kind of what i enjoyed about it um and I thought Cornette is great with like all the stuff, all the little stuff that he does. Like he hops on the ring, the Midnight Express um, d- double teams, you know, or like the Midnight Express distracts the ref, and the other, and the other attacks the other bat, like the attacks the bat. And so I really enjoyed that. Um, ref bump off to the after off, off of the leapfrog was something I'd never seen before. It's like the ref was just right in the damn way, but that mm-hmm. set up Cornette hit missing the tennis racket. So that's why I enjoyed it. And like the surprise batting, I went. Two and a quarter on this, surprisingly. Uh, 1.75, two and a quarter. It's, it's, you know, again, I would also say it's probably, I guess in the end, I'll say it's house show. It's house show match is what it feels like a little bit, right? So, um, but yeah, big, big win for the Battens here. And it's kind of cool that we're ending this show tonight with the Battens' big win over one of the top seeds in the Crockett Cup uh, and the World Tag Team Champions. So something to look forward to on our next episode. Um, so awards tonight, uh, this should be pretty simplistic because we only had two sets of promos. Um, and, um, I, so I guess for us, I'll just go through it. So, uh, Crockett moment, uh, did this kind of like his little stroke out. I really don't know. I'll go to you, Scott. Do you have one? If not, it's okay. Cause I know we're very match heavy tonight. I, I guess we, I mean the closest, I can't even remember if he was on the arm at the end of the arm, um, match when we get the Donnie Brook with all four involved. But yeah. Oh yeah, just, yeah, it's the end of the iron match, yep. So m- maybe then, but like I, I'm not really remembering much from him, so that that says a lot. Yeah. Might have well, to just go- be an NA list month. All right, well, I'm going with the brain buster on Wahoo McDaniel for putting up that big motherfucker. So okay. I'm going to do that one. Uh Colin, how about you? Um the end of the the Jaggers Miller match for putting us out of our misery. <laughs> That's a, that's a good one to do. All right. The Arn Anderson world, the best promo. I think you got to give it to Dusty and Flair both, I would think, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lay down in front of 70,000 people. Yep. Yeah. I think that definitely wins it. Uh, the best angle this month. I are continuing angle. I am shockingly going to pick Wahoo and Jimmy Garvin. I agree. I, I'm Stop. shocked. This is like when Valiant won. Column. I, I I can't disagree with you. I think the 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 post match of the Garvin Houston match um, t- 
takes it for that. I think that, that trumps anything else that, that, that we saw angle-wise on this one. I it was well, Colin, if it makes you feel better, I mean, the reason why it's a great continuing angle is because Jimmy Garvin keeps beating the shit out of Wahoo. Well, that is that. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, the Jimmy Valiant Award for Worst Match, hands down. I think we all agree. Uh, the two out of three falls shit fest. We all on the same page with that? 100%. Absolutely. All right, the Magnum Award for Best Match. Uh, I think we all agree. Uh, Arn versus Fernandez. Yes, has to be. Okay, the Wahoo Award for the LVP. I I'm going with both Jaggers and Miller on that one. Scott. Yes. Column. Uh, yes, but also can we throw in the commentator as well? Correct. And then uh, the Flair Award for MVP this month. I am going 100% with Manny Fernandez. Scott. I'm gonna go with Jimmy Garvin. Okay, that makes sense too. Ooh, big uh, choice. No, because great, he also no, makes sense. Yep. He also attacked Wahoo at the start of the first match that we watched with that strap match as well. Makes, so he had his makes, hands in multiple locations. Makes a hundred percent. Makes a hundred percent sense. Uh, Column. Oh, it makes me feel so good to see this MVP of the month, Manny Region Bull Fernandez. Yep. So hopefully we get to see more of Manny in the future, and that closes us out, guys, for our latest episode number thirty-nine. And we, on our next episode, will be hitting the first round of the Crockett Cup. So we have finally made it. Um, I look forward to our next episode, episode number 40. But we have talked about all the teams in it. We have talked about all the feuds leading up to it. We all know what's going on. And now we finally get to it um, that we can actually talk about our next episode. Before we go, uh, Scott, anything you would like to plug? Yeah, just check out all the pods here on the Quad of Pods. Um, Everyone's doing great work, especially around WrestleMania time. Um, I can be in a... I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shufflet. All right. And Colin? Um, you can find me temporarily on, on the special relations. Um, we've got a few shows in the can um, whilst Rory enters the world of fatherhood. Um, and then we'll take a, a um, Rory will, uh, the special relations itself will take a small hiatus for a couple of months over the summer. Um, but we will have stuff in its place. Um, I've been involved in a couple of episodes recently of Pedestal, um, which is a, a a wonderful show from a concept straight from the the beautiful mind of Sean Kidd, um, and uh, as as it is the season uh, WrestleMania coming up, um, yeah, on the the PlayStation Nation live watches will be available Saturday and Sunday, um, place to be it. Or twitch.tv forward slash place to be nation. Place to be nation, if you search place to be nation, all one word, sorry, on YouTube, um, facebook.com forward slash PTBN live and at PTBN YouTube on Twitter. Um, and if you want to go back, if you miss it and you want to go back and listen to that and any of the previous live watches, um, they're all on YouTube for your listening pleasure. Excellent. And I'll do a quick uh, plug for that. So the last Twitch feed was the NWA Crockett Cup. Uh, night one was me, Callum, and Ben. Night two was Callum, Dr. G, Scott, and myself. Um, really entertaining watch. Um, go back and listen to it with the commentary on. Um, I, I did get a little bit of trouble for an inappropriate comment I might have made about a certain tag team partner for someone that was no longer with us. Uh, but it was overall, it was a very good analytical, good matches. Um, just go out of your way to listen to it. Callum does an amazing job putting these on. So really, really good. As for me, um, honestly, guys, right now, uh, Crock and roll is kind of where I'm at from a consistent standpoint um, with real life and everything. You know, I've kind of missed a few pods here and there. So as of this recording, uh, I don't really have anything scheduled because uh, we're going into WrestleMania week. Again, I'm looking forward to seeing Mr. Shiflet. 
but as far as pods coming up, um, you can also, as Colin said, uh, Pedestal. Um, you can also hear me on YouTube Roulette, Highway to the Impact Zone, uh, Chicken Salad. Scott and I also have Battlestar in the 25th Century over on the pop feed. Probably a little bit of a hiatus uh, for that one for a little bit, at least for the next month or two. Uh, but go back and listen to our last episode where uh, we talked gastric bypass surgery. Very serious pod that was, right, Scott? Very serious. Yeah, actually, it was probably the most serious Battlestar pod we've ever done. Yeah, so, so go back go and listen check to it out. That. I thought it was a good one to go on a hiatus for a little bit. So go back and listen to that one. We'll pick that up at some point. Um, and at some point, um, I don't know, probably by the time, not necessarily by the time you hear this, but probably the probably a week or so after this, you'll start hearing uh, Pop Goes to Couch talk about Moon Knight as that debuts as of this recording. This day, That debuts next week. So um, with that, I want to thank uh, Colin McDougall and Scott Shiflett. Um, and Dr. G, who's on assignment looking for the next great hand for uh, 2022 NWA. I am Sean Kidd, and we will see you on episode number 40, where we will talk about the first round of the Crockett Cup. See you then, everybody. Yeah.